there are men who think Solo might be a raucous college comedy about those big plastic beer cups. There are men who think Logan is a documentary about a very crowded airport. And then there's Doug Bost and Adam Bernstein, two men who should have better things to do but aren't doing them right now. These are two grown-ass men. Grown-ass men. <laughs> uh, we're back with another. It's hot. It's the summertime. It's just uh, the temperatures are rising. Oh my goodness, people! It's a warm, warm summer of twenty. So what you're trying to really say is it's a summertime grown ass man. It's a summertime grown ass man, people. It's a summertime, summertime grown ass man. You got to. And all you got and you do it again You got to break out your hammer And you bang, bang, bang Go to the market for some lemon meringue Grown-ass man in the summertime Grown-ass man Grown-ass man in the summertime Welcome to our new episode Uh... Really, this episode is going to be talking about one of our favorite movie series. That's right. The Planet, Planet of the Apes. Of the Apes. All right, come on. I, I can't believe we haven't even done an episode We've about never talked this. about it. But we were talking about the new Planet of the Apes movies recently, yes. and that kind of got us thinking that we should just talk about our feelings about the whole oeuvre. Oeuvre. Uh, but first... I wanted to um, read you a letter um, that we received, that Adam and I received. Mm. Uh, it was very nice, very nice. Um, it, we are big fans of our fans. We like anybody who likes us, basically. We're, yeah. we're easy to please that way. And we got a really nice fan letter from uh, a young man named Sam Smith. Now, it's not the Sam Smith... Who's like a rock star. Who's like right? a heartthrob <laughs> who sings Stay With Me, um, <clears throat> which is fine because I'm not such a big Sam Smith fan. Okay. But this Sam Smith, I'm a fan of his. Uh, and he lives in uh, Brewer, Maine, mm -hmm. and he wrote us a really nice note. I'm going to read it to you. Yeah, let's hear it. Sam said, Dear Mr. Bost, I really like your podcast, but not the intro because it has a swear in it. Hmm. My... Uh, two favorite superheroes are The Flash and Spider-Man. I like The Flash because he can shoot lightning out of his hands. I like Spider-Man because he has really cool powers. And Peter Parker is kind of a dork, so nobody thinks he's Spider-Man. Uh, my favorite Spider-Man movies are Spider-Man Homecoming uh -huh. and The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Right. My favorite Flash movie, which is actually a TV show, is The Flash on The CW. From Sam Smith. All right. It was very nice of him. That's to great. To write us a note. I like what he's into. I like what he's into, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can't go wrong with Spider-Man. We're huge Spider-Man fans. And The Flash. The Flash. Have you I, seen that show at all? I, I watched I the first season. It. Oh, you did? I watched the first season. Okay. I watched the whole thing of the first season. I watched a little bit of the second season. And I stopped watching it because it... I didn't like what they did with the villain so much. Right. They kind of brought the villain back, and I thought that was... Who was the villain, do you remember? Well, he's a 
he's a scientist. He's like Barry's boss. Okay. Who's the villain. And he turns out to be, well, I can't tell you. I can't spoil the whole thing for you. But he turns out to be, you know, a very bad dude. Right. And then after he gets defeated, they bring him back in a different form in the second season. I, I didn't really, I wasn't so crazy about it. But mm. I do like the running effect. I like the costume a lot. I like right. a lot of the things about the about the show. I mean, when it comes to fast, you know, heroes in the uh, superhero universe, not just the Marvel or DC, I feel like this is one place where DC just like wins hands down yeah. over Quicksilver. I mean, like absolutely, or right? the Wizard. There's no <laughs> or the Wizard. <laughs> That's right. The wizard it didn't I always, even occur to me. The, the no, wizard. the wizard. I always just imagined him sort of peeing in the corner. <laughs> the wizard. Yeah, go take a wizard. Yeah, but, um, I agree. The Flash totally wins the speed race. Yeah, and a lot of people are into those CW uh, series. I haven't really seen much of that. Oh my god, people love Arrow. They love it. People love it. People who are into it, they love it. And people who like the Flash, I, I like. I, I like all the effects in the Flash. I think it's cool. Yeah. Um, I was reading uh, after I read Sam's letter and I was thinking about the Flash and, and Spidey. Uh, I was reading uh, some old Flash issues. Really? With uh, Barry Allen Flash or Earth One Flash? Like which I which read one? this really nice hardcover compilation, 75 Years of the Flash. Wow. And um, it, uh, you would think, I mean, it's, it's exactly a grown-ass man kind of thing, because it's right. the kind of thing that I should not have time for, and yet I made some time you in made my a, day and you've been to busy read this lately, thing. Too. <laughs> uh, but I read, I read some of these issues, and uh, the old issues with the Golden Age Flash are fun. But yeah. then there's an issue... In that funny the helmet. early 50s, Silver when helmet. the new Flash comes, and it's yeah. Barry Allen, and he's got a new origin story and stuff like that, and he's, you know, he's a detective, and he's uh, running, running around, I think, Central City, and there's an issue where he accidentally jumps to a parallel universe and meets the Golden Age Flash. Right. And then he brings the Golden Age Flash to Central City in order to fight, um, I can't remember who the villain is, but to fight a villain. Mm. And the two Flashes are now together. Jay Garrick and and Barry Allen are are together. And it's one issue, and it's the one, it's the very famous one. I feel like it's number 14, maybe. Mm -hmm. It's the one where, uh, on the cover, both Flashes are running to save somebody who's about to be crushed by a girder. Right, and they're, yeah, I'm they're sure both saying, that. "We're don't worry, we'll save you." And there's so many really cool science fiction ideas in this one story. Right, it's all about like alternate universes, time travel, and what would happen if yourself met your other self. It, it, there's so many ideas wrapped up in this one issue from whatever it is, like 1951 or something wow. like that, and. All these all these ideas are totally what fueled the the CW show and everything. Right. Like, and they, I just was reading it and I was thinking, wow, whoever you know, the the writer of this issue came up with so much that later became right everything that Flash is. Right. Yeah. So like how Stan did that with so many of his characters. Yeah. Editor's note: We got this way wrong. Allow us to fix that. The issue that we're talking about here is 
not issue 14. No, it's The Flash, number 123, from September of 1961. The story is called Flash of Two Worlds. The artist was Carmine Infantino, and the writer was Gardner Fox, with help from editor Julius Schwartz. Gardner Fox was a lawyer and a novelist who became a major comic book writer. He co-created The Flash, The Sandman, Hawkman, and Dr. Fate. And when he wrote Batman comics in the 1940s, he came up with Batman's utility belt, the Batcopter, and Batarangs. In this Flash story, Gardner Fox even wrote himself into that comic by showing that Barry Allen used to read comic books about the Golden Age Flash that were written by Gardner Fox. So it's, it's also a rare, for the time, meta plot. And this story even introduces the idea of a multiverse, which is now a huge part of the DC universe. And the two Flashes didn't team up to defeat just one villain, by the way. They fought three bad guys, the Fiddler, the Shade, and the Thinker. Shade is the coolest of these. He's a real creep who can manipulate darkness. Okay, glad to set the record straight. Back to the program. Isn't Showcase 4, the first Flash, like the beginning of the Silver Age? You are absolutely correct. And that issue is I what people say. I just pulled that out of my head, Wow, dude. that was good. That was really Showcase good. Showcase 4. You're absolutely right. But it's true, right? Yeah. So, it's the one with like a film strip and he's running yeah. out of the film strip. Yeah. Right. The people obviously feel like that period of Flash is a very important thing. They feel yeah. like it started a whole new era of comic books. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> should we talk about the Planet of the Apes? Oh, man. All right. So which Planet of the Apes are we talking about? Well, I, th- I, I think, think I've seen them all. I think <clears throat> that there may be... I think I've seen all the movies. Yeah. I, I don't think I saw everything in the TV show. I can't even recall the TV show. Who was the star? It was Roddy McDowell. He, he was, was still in the, in the... He was in the TV show. Wow. I must and have seen it, but I don't remember it. My lovely wife, Carolyn, was... Let's just say she was a big fan of yeah. the TV show. Right. And uh, she has a story that she likes to tell uh-huh. about that about that time in her life. I was a kid growing up in the 70s, and I would watch, of course, the whole Saturday morning cartoon lineup, including H&R Puffin stuff, very important. H&R Puffin stuff, push your bend when things get rough. H&R Puffin stuff, can't do a little cause you can't do enough. Land of the Lost. The banana splits, the whole, the whole shebang, you know, very important to me. And they also provided the cast for my. I had a whole, you know, pretend friends, you know, like I had a, like a pretend world of of people. And they included people from uh, Last of the Mohicans. I was married to Hawkeye. Um, Chingachgook and Incas were our best friends. I was also best friends with um, Jamie, the Bionic Woman. And, you know, I used to sit on my swing set in the backyard and uh, sing to all these pretend friends, as I called them. And, um, you know, we were like this whole world. And I was sort of the queen of it, but, you know, not really, because, it, you know, we... Anyway, the Planet of the Apes used to come on after 
you know, after after all the Saturday morning uh, cartoons, so maybe like around 11 o'clock or something like that. It was Roddy McDowell, James Naughton. The set that I most remember, you know, really looked like the set from The Land of the Lost, where you have like these big styrofoam uh, stone, you know, there's like some cave where they performed their medical experiments or where they kept, you know, the cages where they kept. Oh, there was also um, uh, Sigmund the Sea Monster. I bet those, some of those sets were reused. Oh, I'm sure they also used a lot of the Star Trek uh, uh, stone foam as well. I, I loved it. I, I had seen at least the first film. I think my dad took me to the first film of the Planet of the Apes, but I remember watching the TV series <clears throat> Saturday afternoons, and then they canceled it. And it was, it was abrupt, the cancellation. Like suddenly like they were, you know, like so, suddenly it stopped airing. And it didn't feel like the series finished when they stopped airing it. So I wrote a letter to my local uh, uh, TV station and I was like, why did you stop airing Planet of the Apes with all my all my friends. I need to find out what happened. You know, like like it ended like in the middle of you know some plot line, and um, I got a letter back from the studio, and they you know they said thank you for being a fan, and I think they said there are no more episodes. They you know they we've had to cancel it because it's not. Um, there, there are no more episodes, but if there are more episodes in the future, you know, we, we will bring it back and we appreciate your, you know, your writing to us. I wish I knew if I still had that letter. I really liked the whole ape-human interaction and what it said about getting along. I mean, I don't think I quite understood the, the full metaphor of the show, but I, I was, fascinated by and I was I was very invested in in Roddy McDowell and I his character and I remember being invested in in at least one of the love stories and I'm I think it was the love story between the two ape doctors I mean the, the planet of the apes characters became part of my pretend friends family so when they were taken away from me, when the Saturday morning check-in was taken away. It was traumatic. I mean, it, it, it moved me to write to the local TV station to see if I could do anything to bring my friends back to me. I want to say, before we get into the quality of all these different ones, which of course the one with um, the middle period Who's the muscular guy? <laughs> Who's the star of that Marky one? Marky Mark, Mark yeah, Wahlberg. Yeah, you got it. You got to put that one aside. That just one stinks. Forget that one it. just—it didn't happen. We all act like it didn't happen. Yeah. All right, good. We, it's so a we reboot agree on that, that. You ignore. Whatever. Yeah. Many many years ago, in Brooklyn, when before I'd even moved out of Brooklyn, they were showing all five Planet of the Eight movies at a theater somewhere in Brooklyn. Great. Back to back. Oh. Guess who went? <laughs> <laughs> my mom dropped off me, some of our buddies, and I, maybe even my brother. We were on the younger side for hours. We just, like, we watched 
five Planet of the Eight movies. You know, I don't remember if we got up and got food or anything. I can't recall. I was too young. But I remember sitting there. And I was like, no problem. This is this is a cool thing to do with my Saturday. You know, <laughs> watch every Planet of the Eight movie. It's totally cool. Yeah. I mean, the first I never one, saw them all uh, in the theater. And I never saw them back to back like that. Yeah. I think it, I've seen the first one in a the theater. But I don't think, I think all the others I've seen them on TV. Yeah. I mean, and two through five. First one came out in. cool, but. 1968. 1968. Very, yeah. Charlton Heston. Absolutely. Charlton Heston, Kim Hunter. Right. Roddy McDowell. And it's, uh, what, it's got the greatest ending. Oh, I mean, the but, first one is on stands on a plateau of its own that most... I mean, putting aside the whole series, just as a sci-fi yeah. movie, is like one of the greatest of all time. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! But it's also... It's an ending that everybody knows now. Like, it's kind of... It was a surprise when you went to see the movie in 1968, yeah. but nobody today <clears throat> is surprised to find out that you blew it up, you, right, you idiots, you you blew it up, right. whatever his line is at the end of the movie. Yeah, the first time I saw it, even young, like to see the Statue of Liberty oh, just buried underground like so that, great, is <laughs> just. One of the greatest all-time moments in movies. You maniacs! You blew it up! Ah, oh, damn you! God damn you all to hell! And like, having grown up here and been to the Empire State Building and all that, it was just insane. I felt like it was really putting out a major message to people like, yo, you know, things could happen, you know, out of control. We need to, like, address what's going on. Yeah, no, it it, it totally felt like that. Like, it felt like it was a, a warning as right. well as just fun science fiction. It worked like that because, for one reason, uh, Rod Serling wrote the screenplay. Right. Which is fantastic. I'm, I always forget that when I watch the movie and then his name comes up in the credits and I'm like, yeah. oh, right. He's right, that's the best. Why great. So the original series was Planet of the Apes beneath yes. the Planet of the Apes, which right. I think in is the, the one with subway. the nuclear bomb, right? Isn't that the in one the in subway? subway yeah. New York subways? Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Conquest That's the one of I the feel Planet like I know the least. And then it gets, battle for the Planet of the yeah. Apes gets worse and worse. They all get kind of worse and worse. I liked the last one, but I think it came out when I, I saw it in the theaters. Editors note, Battle for the Planet of the Apes was made in 1973, and it needs to be called out here for a couple of reasons. First, it was directed by J. Lee Thompson, did you know that? Who directed Cape Fear, among many other movies. Uh, Guns of Navarone, also, I think he directed. Second, the storyline has a lot of similarities with the most recent Planet of the Apes reboots, only with Roddy McDowell playing the Caesar character that's now played by Andy Serkis. Uh, they had the same ideas, essentially, in Battle for the Planet of the Apes, but they didn't do them nearly as well as the new movies do. Okay, back to the program. But then, 
in 2001, there was this terrible reboot with Marky Mark, directed by uh, Tim, the guy Burton. Who, Tim Burton. Thank you. Uh, so directed by Tim Burton. Music by Danny Elfman. Sure. Wow. And there's good people in it, but it's oh, it's awful. But then they reboot it again. Yes. And they do Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and War for the Planet of the Apes. And those movies, they're so much better than they need to be, than yeah. you think they're going to be. They're, they're fantastic. I would just watch a movie with, you know, a Planet of the Apes movie with, with good ape effects. Yeah. But they are really good. Like, the first one is all about James Franco is trying to cure Alzheimer's. Yeah. And he inadvertently creates these intelligent apes. Right, from the virus. From the virus, yeah. And then the second one, they start to take over. Right. And then the third one, the humans are almost extinct. Yeah. And the third one is deep. Yeah. The second one is really about racism. Yeah. The second one is really, it's got a lot to say about, about racial stereotypes. I felt the way the humans treat the apes in that in that in uh, yes. When I watched the first one, I actually turned it off because I just couldn't deal with like them abusing the animals. Yeah, I just like I'm like I can't watch this, you know. I just can't take that kind of thing, you know. So, but I was like, all right, I took a break. <laughs> I went back. I go, it's not going to end up like this, you know. It's so they're so good. Andy Circus, he's great. He's un he's unbelievable. Yeah. He's so good. You yeah. really like get so involved in the Caesar character. Yeah. You know, I mean, I recently watched them. It's very fresh for me. Like in the last two weeks, I watched yeah. them. I was so into them. Apparently, there is also the milking of the planet that went ape in Mad Magazine, <laughs> 1973, illustrated by Mort Drucker. And written by Arnie Kogan. I think I'm going to have to buy that issue on <laughs> eBay. <laughs> For, we could talk about it in the upcoming mad, sick, cracked, crazy crazy episode. Yeah, that is coming up. I yeah. think that might be our next episode, I actually. think so, because we got contacted yeah. by the guy, right? Yeah. Editor's note, we would be remiss if we did not mention the makeup for all the original Planet of the Apes movies. It is fantastic. The studio was very wary of it. They thought it would look stupid, uh, but they spent a lot of money and man hours, man hours as opposed to ape hours, and hired the best makeup guy in Hollywood at the time, John Chambers. John Chambers created Spock's pointed ears. That's who he was. He did the prosthetics for all the Planet of the Apes movies and the TV show, makeup that was hugely popular and influential. And then... Then he actually left Hollywood to make disguise kits used by the CIA during the 1970s. And then he was also the guy who helped free six of the American hostages who were being held in Iran in 1980. If you saw the movie Argo, that's his story. And he was played by John Goodman in that movie. He received the CIA's Intelligence Medal of Merit for that. So... John Chambers, Planet of the Apes, CIA operative, quite a life. Back to the program. Anyway, grown-ass people, I encourage you to see these movies, you know? Yeah. 
they're all available. They're all very TV. good, except don't see the Marky Mark one, I'm telling you. Yeah, just forget about that and forget about the middle Spider-Man ones. Just yeah. like, there's so many other movies, you don't need to be bothered. But go go to the original first. Go to the go to the Charlton Heston and then oh, go to man. the If you James haven't Franco. seen that and you don't know the ending, you're going to be like, wow. It's, it's still <laughs> as potent as it whatever it was. It's so much fun. Yeah. All right, uh, have a good summer, people. Yeah, we'll be back. We have... We're gonna make some movies. There's gonna be movie making. There's gonna, gonna be a lot of stuff you're happening. Filming your movie. Yep, filming a movie this summer. Yeah, I have my album coming out in the fall. Amazing. So, yeah, I can't lot, wait to hear it. Yeah, lots of stuff going on in the grown ass men world. Keep listening. Keep chiming in. Send us letters. Yes. You know, please. We want to hear from you. And have a great, great summer, people. Bye. Bye. man.